I think being a mom is a magical power. We as women who are given this gift, those of us who are and who get to do this, it is like unbelievably special. And I don't take for granted how lucky I am to get to do this. And I just think it is all magic. It is magic what our bodies do from the second that we get pregnant. I carried two babies in my five foot body. Like that is bananas. I was so uncomfortable from basically like 10 weeks pregnant on through the entire pregnancy, having two growing children inside of me. I was very physically miserable. And yet I grew these two perfect babies that like, thank God we're so healthy when they came out and that NICU stay is now a blip. It's just, it is all, it is all magic. It must be. Welcome to another episode of the Poised Powerful Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mahan. I coach movement, alignment, and the empowerment that comes from understanding how your body works. This podcast is all about helping regular people adapt to the physical and emotional challenges of new parenthood and hearing some good stories from people getting the crash course. So I'm here with Rhonda Abrams. Rhonda is a first-time mom to five-month-old identical twin girls who feels like she has lived a lifetime in the last year. Haven't we all? That's (laughs) her parenthetical. She is a professional community builder who leads fundraising and engagement efforts at a local Chicago spiritual community called Mishkan Chicago. While currently and simultaneously full-time momming, during a pandemic in her small apartment. She studied some Alexander Technique in undergrad at the Claremont Colleges and makes a point to do something personal and active almost every day. So again, thank you, Rhonda, for joining me. We are meeting at the end of a probably long day. Isn't um, every day? Just yes. a week every day. Pretty much. It like, is all the same. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, uh, virtually to a group of colleagues And I was saying, you know, sometimes we talk about like doing new things being hard and yeah, but I think sometimes the hardest things I do are like the same things over and over and over again. It's because it's exhausting to do the Mm -hmm. same thing over and over again. And as parents, that is what we are doing. It turns out. And the changes that these babies are making are so slight. Like we're not seeing them because it's happening right before our eyes, right? But then you'll have somebody come in who hasn't seen them in like two months. And they're like, oh my God, there's such different people now. And you're like, really? I'm exhausted. I've been with them for like 18 hours a day. And so I don't even see the changes. I don't even notice anything different. They're still the same four pound babies that came out of me. But here we are. And you think they're different. Yeah. So like you're in the thick of it. You've been back to work. I've been back. You've been back. Like you had these babies, took, took some maternity leave. You know, so you're, you're, but you're back at work, you're breastfeeding, pumping, doing the whole thing. I'm a milk machine. I didn't know it would happen, but that is who I've become to these children. I'm the milk mom. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Which also is a blessing. Like I Mm -hmm. feel so grateful that that is the role that I get, that I chose to play and that I'm able to play and get to play. And as you know, Sarah, it is quite exhausting. Yes. That is a big piece of all of this exhaustion. Oh, yes. I was saying, like, I think we talk about breastfeeding in our culture. Like, it's like going to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. you know, like this thing and you you sort of offload it. Mm -hmm. And just the 
effort and calorically, energy-wise, spiritually, you know, whatever, that it can feel like the very life force is draining out of your body, at least for me, because I had some, you know, some issues early on. I know some people that it's just like oxytocin vibes all the time. And, you know, there were those lovely moments, but I don't think we talk about how physically demanding the breastfeeding is. The waking hours, the amount you have to eat and drink, even just the body, the holding, the carrying. Now you have two. So my question is, so like, can you balance them out a little bit at least? Well, maybe, we'll maybe walk back in time, but we started with breastfeeding. So, so just tell me a little bit about your breastfeeding journey. So to speak. Let's get on in on those boobs for a minute Mm -hmm. here. So I'm not sure if I told you this, but I think that breastfeeding has been the most difficult physically and emotionally, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm not sure if that's because of the twin aspect of it or what, because these are the first babies I've ever had. I mean, Um, I would agree with that. I mean, for me, like birth was a whole thing, but there was sort of a distinct trajectory, beginning, middle, end. Yep. Breastfeeding, that's a little bit more... Well, it's longer. (laughs) It's longer for sure. And it's like, it's a dance that you are... For me, I'm learning to dance with two people. My lactation consultant, bless her heart, continues to say to me at every visit, you have two dance partners, Rhonda. You have two dance partners and you can't assume that both of them are going to dance at the same pace. Like one of them might use one foot and the other uses the other foot. You're never going to dance exactly the same with two different people. But I am trying to dance with them at the same time because I'm tandem breastfeeding them when I put them to the breast, which is separate from when I'm pumping. I have not tandem breastfed, but I will affirm that dancing with two people at once (laughs) is complicated. I'm glad I have you to bounce this idea off of then. Well, and I I think, well, if you're dancing, just extend the metaphor, like there would be like a lead and a follow, like in breastfeeding, like who's the lead? Who's the follow? It's kind of, I mean, isn't the advice usually like follow your baby's lead, but also like the baby, just the fact that babies have to learn to do everything. Like when they come out, they don't know how to sleep. They don't really know how to eat. They don't really know how to poop. They don't know how to hold their heads up. Oh, they can't. Yeah. I I remember looking at my son, like trying to poop and I could tell he like, didn't know like which exertion (laughs) made the poop come out. So he was like, I'm just going to try it all. I'm going to blink my eyes a bunch. Maybe that'll (laughs) make it come out. The fact that they have to learn all of these things and we're learning at the same time, it's a wow experience. It sure is. And you don't ever know what tomorrow is going to bring. Really, as it relates to anything, it seems like parenting wise. But for me, especially with breastfeeding, when the babies were born, I said I wanted to try and I didn't know how it was Mm going to go. But I told myself, I'm just going to try. And I had all these friends and my sister even saying to me, like, if it doesn't work out because there could be a lot of challenges. And I didn't mm-hmm. know what the challenges could be. It felt very far away, but there mm-hmm. could be challenges. And if there's challenges, don't worry about it. You know, it's not worth your mental health, giving up your mental health for it. Feed them formula. They'll be fine. But once I started, which was, you know, in the hospital, like pumping 12 hours after my babies were born. And just your babies were in NICU for a little bit. My babies they, were in they, the NICU. They're okay now, folks. They're just great. so we all know. Oh, yes. They're so thriving. But they were in the NICU for a little over two weeks and they just needed to grow. They were born a few weeks early and they needed to grow a little bit and be able to 
eat enough at a time and start gaining weight. And they did all of that really well. But meanwhile, I'm coming home every night for two weeks to an empty house, like with just me and my husband and trying to figure out what lactation is supposed to be without my babies here. So I'm pumping like every two hours, day in and day out. I felt like I was constantly hooked up to a machine, which I was in fact, constantly hooked up to a machine. But you know, in that process, I felt very I felt like I had to commit because I had committed to this machine and was like, well, I need to see this through. I need to see what happens when my babies come home. I need to try to breastfeed them when I'm visiting them in the NICU. And they just could not get the hang of it for at least a month. Like they would barely latch. One of them would latch. Sometimes the other one basically wouldn't. And it just, it was so frustrating. I couldn't imagine a world where it was going to work. And so I was kind of resigned. I don't know if that's the right word because it was would have still been amazing if I could have just pumped for them and given them my milk, but I was resigned to just pumping for them because at least I could do that and I could control that. I'm just going to like fast forward 8,000 lactation consultant appointments that I had and phone calls and Zooms with my lactation consultant. I basically came to terms with the fact that I was just, I was going to give up putting them to the breast because it wasn't going to work out. My dance partners weren't at the same place And it was very frustrating to me. And I didn't have the time in the day to feed one of them on the breast and then the other one on the breast. And then also try to be pumping so that I could make enough milk, like stimulate enough of my milk to come in. And one day I called my lactation consultant and I said, can I just pump and like stop putting them to the breast? Like, is that okay? And she basically said, do whatever is right for you. I'm not going to tell you that anything you're doing is wrong um, unless you're hurting your babies and you're not. So I was like, fine, I'm done. I'm not going to put them to the breast anymore. And the next day I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm curious. Like I'm about to quote, give up on doing this. I'm just going to see what happens. I put a pillow, like a breastfeeding pillow around me and put them both on me at the same time. And I did. And they both latched the same time. And that was at about two months postpartum. And from that day on, and I'm now like five and a half months postpartum. So about three months, they've been tandem breastfeeding. Like since the moment that I said I was going to stop trying, it was like that something about that made it click for them and me. And so I breastfeed them both at the same time, three times a day. And I pump twice a day. That's where I'm at right now. We can feed them five times a day. And it's pretty remarkable that it was like the moment that I gave myself permission to do something that was going to be a little bit better and easier for myself emotionally was when my body like let it actually happen. That was the journey in a nutshell, which has been super emotional for me. And a lot of people have witnessed my tears over it in those first couple months, thinking that I wasn't going to be able to do the thing that I really so deeply wanted. And now I feel like a superhero because I feed two humans at the same time, all day, every day. (sighs) That made me emotional. Yeah. You're telling me. It was hard stuff. I'm so proud of myself for sticking with it. This is why it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the first time in my life also that I gave myself permission for something. Like I truly let go of what I was holding on to that I was supposed to be and supposed to do. And then it fell into place because of that permission that I gave myself. I can't think of anything else in my life that's ever been like that. I think being a mom is a magical power. And like we as women who get to do this, who are 
given this gift, those of us who are, and it is like unbelievably special. And I don't take for granted how lucky I am to get to do this. And I just think it is all magic. It is magic what our bodies do from the second that we get pregnant. We carry, I carried two babies in my five foot body. Like that is bananas. I was a whale. These babies had nowhere to go. I was so uncomfortable from basically like 10 weeks pregnant on through the entire pregnancy. Couldn't sleep, could barely eat. I was so sick. And then I was, I wasn't sick anymore, but I was so physically uncomfortable from having two growing children inside of me. I was very physically miserable. And yet I grew these two perfect babies that like, thank God were so healthy when they came out. And that NICU stay is now a blip. Everyone, like all the twin parents I talked to after the babies were born, were like, trust me, this can be a blip in your story. But I was, we were so deep in being in the NICU and those really long days of going to visit them in the hospital and then having to leave. So it just felt like an eternity. But here we are now, you know, these babies are like perfect. They have a full range of emotions. They smile and laugh all the time. Their eyes are huge and wide. And when they see me and my husband come in in the morning to, you know, take them out of their cribs to feed them. They like make happy yelps. They're so excited to see us. They like no mom and dad. Um, and they eat from my body, from food that I'm making for them that I, I like can't even feed myself enough. I'm starving all the time. I feel like it's just, it is all, it is all magic. It must be. So I feel like I have a hard time complaining about it to too many people because like it's hard and I'm tired, but also like could be a lot worse. And also what a freaking blessing that I'm keeping two babies alive. Someone decided I could do this and it turns out I can. And it wasn't <laughs> what I asked for or what I wanted, but now I have these two little babes. It's so interesting because we talk about a lot of the things that are hard about becoming a parent. And I think like we're talking about sometimes they're like really stupid things. Like everybody knows they're not going to sleep. That's so stupid. You know what? People know that, but you don't know what that actually feels like until you're doing it. And it feels like you're dying. Yeah. Like I've pulled all nighters in college. I remember like staying up all night and watching the sunrise over the lake. And you know, actually how like awesome that felt. Staying up with your baby while they scream until the sun rises. They're a different experience. Yeah, I don't recommend it. <laughs> You know, I would say what's stupid is the whole sleep now because you're not going to get sleep later. Oh, well, gee, thanks. You couldn't sleep very well when you were pregnant. So there you go. I am definitely sleeping better now. It's crazy, but I am sleeping better now than mm -hmm. I was five months pregnant. I didn't sleep five months postpartum. Mm -hmm. sleeping. Yeah. Remember they torture people with sleep deprivation. They so sure it's not did. just like us being like whiny little, you know, whatever I think also like people talk a lot about like, oh, like it's so many diapers to change. That like wasn't a thing for me. Yep. I feel like you have referenced this. So I'm going to ask you. I feel like becoming a parent was like a very, is like a spiritual crisis for me. And I feel like that's not that whole, whatever that is. Like that's not changing poopy diapers. <laughs> I felt that early parenthood took me so frequently to places that were beyond words. Absolutely. It is such an emotional and spiritual journey every single day. 
especially at the beginning when your days all bleed into nights and it's all one big, like what, what time even is it? Who knows when and where we are right now, but I am with this thing that is, I made this thing. I made this thing and now it's mine and I'm doing something with it at every waking hour and helping it. And if I'm not like physically touching it right now, cause it's sleeping, like I'm preparing for it to wake up, making its milk for its next meal. I am eating a snack right now so that I can like refuel my body so that I can make more milk. I am attempting to sleep in the one hour that I have because I need to have somewhat of a clear mind so that I can, you know, not drop you off the changing table. So it's like all everything we're doing at every moment is for that one or two babies. Like, what do you grab on in those moments? Like, I felt like sometimes in those moments of beyond words, like the only things I could grab onto were things that were beyond words, right? Like there's prayer, maybe art. What what did you hold on to or just something kind of in yourself that you sort of faith? Yeah, I mean, I have been a believer in God for my entire life, which I think is strange. It's strange to say say it out loud. I don't know many 31-year-old raised reform Jews who believe in God, but I do. Like even my own husband does not believe in God, but I do and the God that I believe in is a connectedness that we all have to each other and to the earth. That's how I explain it, at least for myself. And that is like what I come back to when I'm having those moments of profundity. Like, what are these things that came out of me? What am I doing right now? How is this even happening? What world am I even living in that I'm allowed to be taking care of and keeping alive two babies at the same time? It should be illegal. That's like... (laughs) It is a remarkable responsibility and often quite challenging and too challenging. But I just come back to like, oh, this is to me, like, this is God. This is what God is. That I am able to do this thing that on paper would seem like it should be illegal. That I should have to listen to two babies scream in my face for 24 hours a day for three months but that I like ha- had to go through that, was chosen to go through that, whatever, is like, oh, that's because there is a reason behind all of this. And to me, that feels like God. That feels like a connection to everything. I don't know. There were a lot of nights sitting and holding at least one baby. Bless my husband who got up with me every single time. Every single time I had to pump, every single time we fed the babies that I'd be sitting there holding a baby and he'd be sitting in another chair three feet away holding another baby and it would be dark and one would be asleep, but one wouldn't be because of course with twins, you got your two dance partners. So (laughs) you're not doing the same thing at the same time. This is overwhelming that this is happening in this moment like this right now and in a pandemic. What is going on? How beautiful that I was given this gift of challenge. And that I was handed this because of this connection, this God, this thing that keeps it all together, I think, even when it's really hard. And I think, you know, we're not saying that everybody has to believe in God. No. But I think I think a lot of people sort of tap into this, oh, I tap into all the other people doing this at the same time, all the other people. Like, I gave birth the same day 
many other people around the world are giving birth. I'm holding this baby the way my mother, my grandmother, my great, 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 great grandmother. I don't know if you were a person who looked at your phone a lot while you were feeding the baby. I always want to like pluralize babies Mm -hmm. when I'm saying it to other people, because Mm -hmm. it's like my reality is that there's two babies, but when you're holding your one baby, did you, were you, <laughs> did I have you, a free hand? Did you have <laughs> yeah, a single hand? You could actually use your phone. So I have found that looking, scrolling through Instagram, like some of these mommy Instagrams have actually been really empowering for me. And in what, in what way? Like which kind do you mean? Like the mesh underpants, like here it is. Or do you mean like, I like to look at the ones that are like cartoons or memes that are like, you got this mama, like you know, mm-hmm. we're all in this together. And one that has always stuck out to me, which I think is pertains to what you were just saying is there's a picture of a woman looking out her window or like a cartoon of a woman looking out her window. And she has like the one light on in her house and she's holding a baby and she's breastfeeding the baby. One boob is out and her hair is messy on top of her head and, and like her stomach is hanging out. Um, and she's looking out and she, there's like a thought bubble that says something along the lines of hello to all the women out there who are you know, who are doing this right now with me. And there you can see one light on in houses all up her street Mm -hmm. and like a little faint shadow of women who are all standing at their window, holding their baby. Obviously Mm -hmm. you don't have every single next door neighbor who's breastfeeding at the same time as you every night. That would be a very fertile neighborhood. Oh God. Yes. Somebody should check that water out. But just the idea that like across the world, like at Mm -hmm. every moment that I was awake, taking care of one of, or both of my babies, there were thousands, millions, question mark of other women doing almost exactly the same thing. And some of them feeling very alone doing it, but some of them were alone and they were, some of them were alone. And so I would feel both lucky that I wasn't and also very connected, like bringing it back to God for me. Like that was a God feeling like, Mm -hmm oh my gosh, okay, all these women before me, all these women that are going to come after me, and then all the women who are doing it right now at different times of day in their time zones, but they're doing it right now too. And we're going to continue to just do this. We're all going to continue to do this because we are magical. And you know what that makes me think of? I have seen that comic. We're Jewish. Just in case folks haven't figured that out, just going to state that here. And we know each other from the same Jewish community that we're part of. We we do. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Jewish people. We, we love, we love to light a candle. And it's sort of like that moment of, we have these rituals, like I would say, and, and Judaism is really interesting in that we have people who maybe their levels of personal belief are various and they still consider themselves a Jewish person. And yet they will do the same ritual. There's sort of this idea that there's meaning in the ritual itself. And the idea of you light the candle in your home, you know, other people light the candle in their home or the candles, you know, you're connected suddenly to all these people around the world and all the people that came before and all the people that come after in that one moment. It is a religious experience. And it's interesting that you like, because you brought up like this little points of light. And so I wonder like, where are those moments where we connect with little points of light? And I think some of those points of light come out of the great darkness. I mean, you're like, I'm saying you, but I would be like crying in my bed 
in the one hour, an hour and a half that I would get to myself between those early days, like feeding a baby by a bottle and maybe also trying to breastfeed the other one and then pumping for the next meal. And then I would have this little pocket of time during which I had to try to rest or eat or whatever. And like just sobbing because to bring this back to earlier in the conversation, it was like, I'm going to have to then pour the coffee, do the thing, do it, you know, start all over again. And it was like in two or three hour chunks of time all day, every day. And it felt like it would never end. But in those, I mean, that was like the darkest, those were the darkest feelings I had was like, when is this ever going to end? When will this end? Like, why am I even thinking about that? I want this to end. Like, this is such a magical thing. Like I keep coming back to the word magic. Like this is such a privilege. I get to do this, but enjoy these moments, enjoy them. They were, you know, they're short lived. They're going to grow up. They're going to start crawling. They're going to start walking. They're going to start whatever. They're going to go to college and you're going to miss these days. But yet I would be like, oh my God, this feels like I'm so deep in it. And I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel at all. Um, And some of those times, like I would have to wake my husband up and say like, like I'm feeling this again this is happening. It feels like it's never going to end. And I'm so tired and I can't do this. I just can't physically do this anymore. And then it was like, those were the times where I would hit just like the right cartoon on Instagram or like a friend would text me in the morning a couple hours later to check in on me who I hadn't heard from in months, but it was like, they knew that I needed something or somebody would send me like a box of like delicious cookies would show up at my house that a friend across the country had sent me. And those were those moments of light that came out of, like, I appreciated them so much because of how dark I had just been feeling. People, wow, have moms really stepped up. All the moms in my life, all the young moms, and the older ones, but like, especially people who are new moms in the last few it's, years. It's fresh. Oh, it's, it's fresh. It's so fresh. And I think sometimes, like, I remember every single person who brought me a lasagna. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I know how important that was. I know how important the things I didn't want to ask for were. I'm sure when you don't have two girls attached to your boobs, you're going to be doing that for somebody else. It's like such a dream of mine now that I can hopefully give back to other young moms, other twin moms, like help people navigate this truly terrifying time because it is terrifying and beautiful. And some of the terrifying times can feel really dark and low. And that is super normal and and expected, but it is, wow, is it challenging? It's so hard because there are some dear friends of mine who've had babies and I wanted to, my plan was, okay, I'm going to go over. I'm going to be the person who holds your baby. Like, will you take a shower? Like whatever I've got. And with COVID. There was the pandemic that changed all of our lives. Yeah. And we were talking about how basically you have had surprise after surprise. Yeah. Through this whole thing. I feel like maybe we should back up and just tell like a little bit more of the, uh, flashback. How did we get here? How did we get here? Sure. So you have a very lovely, supportive husband, very lovely, supportive husband and crazy time. We were trying to get pregnant and I took a bunch of pregnancy tests one day. And that day happened to be like the day that quarantine was enforced in the city of Chicago. And I took like five positive pregnancy tests and assumed that meant I was actually pregnant. 
and uh, made an appointment to go in for my first doctor's appointment a couple weeks later because they didn't want to see me right away. They wanted to like me, you know, make sure it stuck a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I went into my to the, my midwife practice that I went to, and I had an ultrasound, and my husband Daniel was not allowed to be with me because COVID had just started. This was like in late March or early April. He was on FaceTime. They said it was okay for him to be on FaceTime for the second half of the visit. And she goes, I don't know, it's like a couple minutes into it. And she goes, do you see what I'm seeing? And I said, no, like, I don't really know what I'm looking at. It's like a lot of weird little tiny shapes. Blobs. Blobs, <laughs> like light, like shadowy figures inside of my uterus. I don't know what's going on. She's like, I think I might see two heartbeats. And I go, what does that mean? My instinct was like, something's wrong or like- The baby has two hearts? What a loving child I will have. (laughs) You know, and I think I said, what does that mean? And she said, you might be having twins. And I said, Daniel, do you hear that? And he was like, yes, oh my God. She had me go next door to get a like a really high powered sonogram done and I made her stay in the room with me since my husband wasn't there. So I made the midwife stay with me while I was getting a sonogram from the nurse. Uh, and they confirmed it was, in fact, not only just twins I was having, but it was identical twins I was having. And they could see exactly which follicle the egg had come off of. And what? They, were able to they tell, can tell? They could tell. The sonogram tech said, you see that tiny little thing right there? That used to have an egg in it, and now it doesn't. And so that one egg split into two, which means they could tell exactly what I was having, which was monodi twins, two babies that were going to be sharing one placenta and in two separate amniotic sacs. This was all like such gibberish to me when they told me at that eight week appointment. Mm-hmm. So I gathered my things and I started to walk out and the midwife said, by the way, we can't actually even schedule a follow-up visit for you here because you are deemed a high-risk pregnancy. We're going to have to send you to MFM, to maternal fetal medicine. Get out of here. Get now out you're here. high risk all right. of a sudden. I'm like, what? I'm young and I'm like healthy and 30 years old and whatever. And I was kind of freaked out. She actually called me later just to make me feel better and say, I just want to like reiterate that this is super standard for somebody who's having the kind of twins that you're having. They're not sick. They're not sick. They just need to monitor it more closely because they're they're sharing a placenta for God's sakes. You know, and at this point they were like the shape of, they were the size of little lentils. So I couldn't even really conceptualize this, mm-hmm. but I were, walked out of that appointment. My husband was sitting in the car outside. He had been on FaceTime with me from the car waiting for me. And we were just like, oh my God, this is not at all what we were expecting under any circumstances, let alone in this new world that we were just entering with COVID starting and with hearing the word quarantine for the first time in our lives. So there began a really emotional and confusing eight, nine months of our lives that, you know, everyone had a really confusing and difficult time during COVID. That's like, that is the norm for everybody. And on top of that, for us, I was navigating what was deemed a high-risk pregnancy. And I had to go to every doctor's appointment by myself. And Daniel never once got to come with me to an appointment. At one point, we were like, is he even going to be able to come to the birth? Thank God he was there. I also had a doula with me. She was amazing. I didn't hug another person or like really have... My in-laws do live locally. And like towards the end of my pregnancy, we let them touch my stomach once the baby started kicking. But like no one really touched me. 
Like we kept a very safe distance from people. We basically only saw a few members of my husband's family outside, like at a distance while I was pregnant. So it was a really isolating time. On the flip side, I didn't have to buy that many pieces of maternity clothing because no one was really going to be seeing me. So I saved a lot of money on that. Especially pants. What are pants? You know, I told you about the brain fog. I think they were these things people used to put on their legs. In the old days. So yeah, here I am now. I have identical twins and live to tell about it. And no one ever forgets being Mm -hmm. pregnant. But like the added weight of all of this is that it was like 100% during the time of COVID. And I also had babies in the NICU and nobody could come visit them while I was in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. bringing them home was also a whole different story. Like couldn't really have people meet them for at least a couple months um, with the exception of people who are willing to quarantine for two weeks and stay really, really safe for us because we couldn't risk what that could possibly mean for the babies to be exposed to something really scary that we're still not exactly sure how babies and children respond to. So there you go. A little Mm -hmm. light synopsis of how I ended up with two children sleeping in my home. I think we've all heard the word risk so many times this past year-ish. And it's also a word that you hear a lot when you're pregnant. I think it's also a word you hear a lot if you have a high risk pregnancy. You know, I'm not saying that like, oh, this is made up or people shouldn't consult appropriate medical attention. My show is not appropriate medical attention, just in case anyone's like unclear on that. But I know it gives me sort of like a little fluttery feeling in my chest, this sort of feeling of like, oh, I don't, I don't know what might happen. I think part of what I wanted to share your your story was you actually had some happy, like some happy surprises. You were counseled, I'm sure, very thoroughly throughout your pregnancy, like this terrible thing could happen, that terrible thing could happen. You described your birth as like seamless. You had to give birth in an operating room. I actually thought I was going to have to give birth in an operating room. (laughs) And when I got to the hospital already like five centimeters dilated by the grace of God. Like it went so quickly. I was expecting that they were going to rush me to an OR just in case of all the millions of things that could go wrong that they had prepped me for, for nine months. But they said to me, you know, we're actually going to have you just push here because it seems to be going pretty smoothly and we're willing to give this a try if you're okay with it. And I was like, okay with it. Yeah. I'd much rather not be under fluorescent lights and have the risk of my husband being kicked out of the room. Like, let's just do this here in the normal delivery room. And Did you get to even have like a birth plan as such? Or was it a lot of, well, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. I had a sheet that I called my birth preferences, which was mm-hmm. a phrase that I took from one of the millions of books that I read. It was like, don't have a plan because plans get thrown out the window, but you can have a list of preferences that in an ideal world you would get to follow. So like my preferences were that like I get skin to skin time and that, you know, right immediately following whatever labor was going to look like that I have access to like a little pool. Cause I knew that like at Northwestern at Prentice, you could have a little tub that I wanted to use some of their accoutrements, like different birthing balls. If I wanted them that my husband could stay with me, you know, as much as possible. And that my doula would be allowed there if, that was 
still allowed if you could have a, a separate support partner in addition to your spouse or birthing, whatever you would call it. Birth partner? Birth partner that you could also have like an extra support partner. So that was a preference of mine. And I really, I caught all these things and that's like where it comes back to, I just feel like this is, I am so privileged to have had such a low drama birth. And also like, yeah, I've been, I've felt very dark some of the time since these babies were born, but I feel like it's all super normal stuff. Normal in that I imagine all women really feel this way after they have a baby or babies. And maybe people don't talk about it a lot, but I don't feel like I have been abnormal and how I have felt. I have felt like enough women have reached out to me and been in my circle and been like on my team about this that have shared just enough for me to know that like, this is all standard stuff. Like you feel dark. You feel like it's never going to end. You feel like you'll never sleep again. Your body will never be yours again. You'll never be able to eat enough. (laughs) You'll never be able to drink enough water. Like you're just constantly going to be hungry, thirsty, tired. Your butt's going to hurt. Your boobs are going to hurt, whatever, all the millions of things. But like, that's all that turns out. It's all normal. And thank God that I haven't had any serious complications besides that being pregnant really sucked and I hated it. But beyond that, you know, what's nine months of my life at this point? (laughs) Yeah. Time is very weird. And, you know, and that's not to discount those days because like you're feeling terrible the third day of your kid's life. That's their whole life that they've been with you. Right. I mean, as time goes on in a relative sense, that timeline becomes a smaller portion of your time with them. Mm -hmm. But at the time, that's all the time you've been with them or, you know, say folks who have a baby in the NICU for, right. That's, they feel like they really haven't gotten that time. Yep. So it's, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's all relative. I'm impressed with you. We're talking about superpowers because I think, I think it's hard enough. This is like always a question for me is sort of like, how do we plan for uncertainty? Which I think you had to face head on because twins, that's fair, a fairly unique situation, but it's considered high risk. There are more variables um, and things that can happen. And there is also COVID. And how did you even like, you know, you had to think about birth. And like, I remember reaching a point where I was like, I don't know how it's going to go. Like, I'm just totally like kind of embracing, like trying to imagine it. It, It's such a very weird place to be where you're trying to imagine a thing that hasn't happened. And you know that you will be on the other side of that and know, and that sort of like, you won't be able to go back into that previous headspace, but you also can't go forward except by living it. I don't know if that made any sense. No, it does. I really impressed myself while I was pregnant in that I'm like a very anxious person by nature. And also that there was a global pandemic happening. And like my husband and I were like on high alert, like keeping people away from me, keeping me as safe as possible. And also like trying to just mitigate all these risks that I was learning about at my very frequent doctor's appointments that I had at a certain point, I was going every week and having ultrasounds every week for like five or six weeks at the end there. Before that, it was like every two weeks. So I was always hearing about risks, always hearing about risks. And I decided pretty early on in my pregnancy that I didn't want my anxiety that I've lived with for 30 years of my life to bleed in. Like, I didn't want these girls to start their life with that in their blood. 
more than it needed to be and more than it already will because just by nature of like growing up with me as their mom and growing up in the world that they're growing up in. Um, I feel you. You know, you got me. So so I was like, how can I just roll with the punches here? And I could control this pregnancy in so much that I got pregnant, like chose to get pregnant. That was in my control, but couldn't control that I was having two babies, couldn't control that they were sharing a placenta and that was making it high risk. Couldn't control, of course, that there was also a global pandemic and like a very scary unknown virus happening all around me. Couldn't control how uncomfortable I was feeling and and on and on and on. So like, what could I control that I was just going to try to breathe and just digest the information as I received it. Try not to do too much research into the scary things because, you know, that's like a very dark hole that I think parents go into mm-hmm. trying to like read too much and educate themselves on all the different methods for all the different things. And so I, I wanted to try to be as chill as possible. And chill is not really always a word I would use to describe myself, but I was somehow able to be like a fairly relaxed pregnant person would have never thought that I would be able to do that. But it was like a gift I wanted to give the girls. And I've also been trying to be that kind of parent as much as possible as well. Like when I'm having those really dark moments where I'm freaking out, where I'm like, this is never going to end. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What do I want the energy to be like when I'm around the girls? So maybe I'm feeling like that in my bedroom, but I try to let go of some of that before I like walk into the room where the girls are because I don't want them to pick up on more of it. This is a scary enough world. So I do feel like I have been really able to take that word risk and digest it into something that makes sense for me. And that like makes me really proud of the mom that I'm able to be for these girls right now at this moment in time, who knows what it'll be like down the line. But for right now, I'm really proud of myself. And I do feel kind of like a superhero. And I hope that all moms get to a point where they feel that too. There's definitely a transformation. I mean, and you're saying, well, I don't know about the next thing. It's like, well, they'll be their next self and you'll be your next self. Yep. I'm also sort of interested in sort of what you say about like you come into the room and sort of literally like, what is that like notion of like you pass through a doorway and you're saying, oh, I'm crossing this in-between space. Just there's a ton of in-between spaces as a new parent, like mentally, spiritually. Pregnancy is weird because it is an in-between space. It's like, and in that space, you're taking up more and more space as time goes on. <laughs> in my case, very much space. I took up very much space to the point where I needed to get a king size bed upgrade from our queen size bed because there just like wasn't going to be enough room for me to roll around. Did you do the big pillow too? Oh, I had so many pillows. I had like a pillow cemetery next to the bed at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. My husband called the body pillow. He was like, is this a, like a chastity wall? <laughs> I think my husband made similar jokes as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends how intent you are on scaling it. Sure. But I think there, I feel like there is something like deep and connected, even in these things that seem very bodily. And uh, oh, isn't that the most connect? Like that is mm-hmm. the most connection we have to each other. Mm-hmm. It comes down to like a biological body level. Like you have blood, I have blood. And like, your childbirth can only look one of like very few different ways on paper. They got to get out somehow, right? I don't know. It's like, how do we approach that? Make friends with that? Make peace with that? I don't know. I do feel super connected now to every every person on the street 
kid pushing a stroller or like that has a little kid walking next to them, holding their hand. I'm like, I see you and I acknowledge you. I mean, even just every person, like every person. sometimes like I, at this point in my pregnancy where I would look at like homeless people and burst into tears because I was like, you were a baby once. Oh my God. And I would be like walking down the street and I was like, you were a baby and you were a baby and you were a baby and you were born and you were born and you came out of a woman somehow or person somehow. And it's just like, yep. I just like, couldn't even hold it in my head. And it is interesting, right? It's like, we say these things are like, I'm air quoting again, this is an audio format, women's issues. And it's like, but everybody is born. We are all born in this sort of very visceral way. We all die. Yep. We all came out of someone. And I think we just don't talk about it because it's like not, I don't know, either we can't conceptualize it's it, sticky. it's too much, it's, it's or very it's sticky. Yeah. <laughs> sticky, like all, of these, like all of these fluids. So many um, fluids all the time. I, yeah. But it but, does, I do, I do think it does connect us all. It's not something women are talking about with each other. It's certainly not something men are talking about with each other is like all the yucky fluids, but there's a lot of them and it's super normal and really beautiful that we get to also like experience parts of our bodies that we would never otherwise get to experience without going through pregnancy. It's like really yucky stuff, but also like really cool. Also really rad. Really rad. We've discussed how we love an Instagram birth video. Love. Why C-section, do I... vaginal, all of them. Like, why am I so into it? It's gross to look at I other mean, people's fluids. And I think before before I had a baby, like I was like, uh, you know, I was For like, sure. why do they want to hold the slimy baby with the like the goo still on it, right? Yep. All that vernix. And then it's like when it was my baby, I was like, <gasps> Kimmy, you yep. know, and he was all cone headed and squalling. And yep. my husband was like, oh, but I had just full, full hormones. Oh yeah. Give me that sticky little thing. Well, there's nothing like it. And there's no. nothing like, there's nothing like the way they smell. And I have to tell you, like there's, you know, the smell of breast milk. It's like a distinct smell. Oh yes. And I, yeah. And it's like visceral memories of like, washing clothes and then it's like this still smells like breast it milk. all smells everything in my laundry smells like breast milk then. and then I remember like like the smell of the babies so the smell of like my my son when he was little and then just like there was a point after he'd stopped I'd stop breastfeeding him and I could tell when he started smelling different I'm a little anxious for that because I'm a few weeks away from starting to supplement with formula because my freezer stash has really diminished since I've gone back to work work from home but not breastfeeding every meal anymore. Um, and I'm not pumping enough at each pump session that I do to feed both twins. So diminishing the stash, going to start using formula in a few weeks. And like, honestly, the thing that is scaring me the most about it is that they're going to smell different. Their poop's going to smell different and they're going to smell different. Their spit up's going to smell different. I know they're going to be like, it's like great nutrients for them. They're going to maybe even gain weight faster when they start supplementing with a little bit of formula. I'm like scared about the smell. I'm crazy. But that's what's, that's like, what's giving me anxiety right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like my husband's Buddhist. So I read this book about like, it was like Buddhism and motherhood. So the book was talking about Buddhists are all about like, we're always trying to escape aging, illness, and death. those are the three things. And that, that especially, you know, they talk about, especially in, in Western society, we're very much like, we don't want to talk about death. It happens outside the home. 
we wig out about it. We pretend it isn't happening. We value youth. Blah, 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 right? We even have this sort of enormous amount of death right now. And part of what we have lost is a space to hold our grief. Being a parent, I think, does make you think about it's sort of like mortality. I mean, yes, of course, you're afraid you'll die or something will happen to your kids. But it, it sort of talked about like the Buddhist notion of like impermanence, that when your child grows, it's like a little death. I, I, this is a terrible thing I'm telling you, but it's sort of, you know, right, that you know the next version of them is the next. The previous is gone. And so for Buddhists, you relinquish attachment and you acknowledge, yes, this is the way of all things. But I think that's acknowledging that pain. When I heard it described as a little death. That hits. Yeah. It, like I felt it in my chest. You could have another baby. I could have another baby, right? But it's not, it's another baby. It's another moment, right? It's, it's sort of, and sort of these ideas, right? And that this child is ever unfolding. But that the healthy thing, right, is to confront that and let it go, confront it and let it, because otherwise you would not let them grow. You got to confront the change with open arms. These babies are not falling asleep in my arms anymore. And they were like a mere two months ago. And now they're like awake and alert and making Yelp sounds all the time. And they want to play with mommy and daddy and they want to grab onto each other's hands, which, oh my God, it's very cute watching twins start to realize that there is, it is unlike anything. And I didn't know what to expect. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I'm like constantly surprised and amazed by how beautiful it is to watch. It's like, wow, you guys are like so much more alert now. You were sleepy, sleepy little babies before. You could barely keep your eyes open long enough to eat. And now I have to like force you to go to sleep. Please go to sleep. That's that's a new era. It's very interesting. And it is definitely a little bit of mourning what's in the past. But like, I think I mentioned this earlier because I'm so in it. You know, it's like you you don't notice a friend who like changes something about themselves physically. If you see them every day, they like may have just gotten their haircut. You like saw them yesterday. You're like, whatever, you just, whatever, you look the same to me babies that you're with day in and day out that are just like gradually changing out of a phase they're in into a new phase. And you're like not noticing it until it's been a big chunk of time. And you like go back and see a picture of what your baby looked like three months ago. And you remember that onesie that very much would never fit anymore because it's two sizes ago. And you're remembering like when they wore that tiny little onesie and how they used to like sit on your lap and like not even be able to, they were like shorter than the length of your femur or whatever. And so like, I remember like the babies would like rest on our femur with our legs up on a tape, you know, like on the coffee table and they would just rest in that little gap between our legs. And now they're like way longer than the femur. And they don't even fit there anymore, but it's not like over. They're like kicking you right, right in the gut. Oh yeah. (laughs) Their legs are just together, like kneading me in the tummy now when they're laying on my legs. And it's just like, you don't obviously notice that happen overnight because it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over the course of a few weeks and months, but then there it is. And now it's gone. Babies are growing. They, they stay growing, which is a beautiful thing too. I was going to ask you your secret. Your kids are only five months old. I know it's been so much time. But you say you try to do something for yourself every day. And I was like, five months postpartum. I was like, whoa, how'd you get there? Tell me your secret. I, anxious person that I am, Mm -hmm. decided like I wanted to have some power. I wanted to like feel like I had the power back a little bit once these babies were born. Like I could own a little bit part, a little bit of my day because it became very apparent that the days were not mine. The days were the baby's days. 
so while I was on maternity leave a few weeks, maybe about four weeks, like I I really had such like a low drama labor. Like I'm so lucky and my body really did start healing way faster than I ever expected it would. Like I was expecting an emergency C-section. I was expecting like forceps. I was expecting crazy stuff to happen and it didn't happen. And so my body really did like start healing and it was so happy to have these babies out of it because it had been so uncomfortable for so long. And I started to do like bar workouts. I love bar, did ballet for many years when I was younger. So it kind of makes sense that I would like it now. And so I decided like, I'm going to start doing some bar workouts while I'm on maternity leave. And while my body is like healing and it's healing a little bit faster than I thought it would. So I made a point every day to do bar workouts for like two months of my maternity leave. And then that like turned into me getting back on the spin bike and doing like 15 minutes on the spin bike and then 20 minutes on the spin bike. And maybe I would do some bar and spin if I had two pockets of time in the day. And like every time I could have the 15 or 20 minutes to myself to do something physical, even if I was like going really slow in a bar workout, which some people would laugh at a bar workout and think like, that's not even hard, but let me tell you, you should try it because it really gets in those muscles, those little muscles. But I would like just tell myself I could have 15 or 20 minutes to do this thing. Like I owned my day. That's all I need. Just 15 or 20 minutes. I will own the day and I'll feel really freaking good about it. And it turned out that that really worked for me. It really worked for me. And I have a very supportive partner who takes a lot of the load. He'll go feed the babies by himself. He'll bottle feed them on the floor of their nursery with a special pillow that we have. If it means that like that, that time is the only time of the day that I get to like get on the spin bike for 20 minutes because he knows how important it is for me emotionally to like feel like I have that ownership and power over my day. We kind of set those terms really early on and that has really worked for me and worked for us and I think has made me a better for mom. Y'all. It's making me feel good for now. So we'll see how mm-hmm. long it lasts, but it is pretty awesome that I get to do it and that I feel good doing it too because I know that is not the reality for everybody and I feel lucky about that that I can move my body. I didn't have a C-section. Like it could have gone a lot of different ways, but I'm feeling good. It's fantastic. And tired. And we were talking about lifting those two babies. I'm lifting two 12 pound babies right now. So I have like, and the breastfeeding dance is really interesting because I'm like, I got them both eating at the same time, like laying across me and I'll have to like readjust them or like hand one to my husband to help burp them because I can't burp a baby and feed another one at the same time. And so it's a lot of like one arm lifting mm. and they used to be four and a half pounds and now they're 12 pounds. Ooh. So yeah. So it's, you know, it's a good thing I'm doing these bar workouts sometimes because I honestly need it. I mean, and it's all those, like, it's all the, like we were talking about, it's not just like the one thing that makes you try. It's like all these little things. And I just, you know, it's like the car seat and the lifting the baby oh. And sort of like any of those things that you can do to like, okay, can I make this a little easier? Some things are just hard. Sometimes it's a like, okay, can I think about how I put this kid in the crib and like stop and take that moment? I think it's great you get a break and that it's not a fraught moment between you and your husband. This is something you guys totally agree on, right? This is huge, right? This is not like a resentment thing. This is not a weird thing. It gets weird sometimes. And Oh, yeah. parent relationships. So like, that's pretty chill. I love breaks, but I also like, I'm thinking, you know, it's also those like walking through the doorway moments. That's not, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, just like there's not a separate place away from your life. There is only your life. <laughs> yep. There's the ritual you create within it. I think I mentioned to you that the way that I use Alexander every day is when yeah. I'm meditating. No, um, tell me more. So I, it's like the only time it pops into my head and it pops in all the time when I'm breastfeeding is, is the idea of lifting with your head, like to make space for your, like, I want to say it was like your, your hips, knees, and elbows was like, or hips, knees, and neck or whatever the three body parts were that were explained to me when I took Alexander in college. But I think about it when I like get the baby set up on me, they're on my boobs. I'm like, I'm in a chair. And my instinct is to kind of hunch over them and like look down at them. But every single time I get set up, I have at least a moment where I'm like, hang on, just lift with the head and think about expanding up and rooting down at the same time. What that ends up meaning for me physically is that my um, shoulders go down and my neck maybe like grows an inch. And my, like, I feel like there's kind of a string lifting from the top of my head. Not that I'm getting pulled apart, but that I'm just like creating some space in the Mm -hmm. top part of my body. And I just feel everything loosen in that moment. And then you can trust that like 20 seconds later, I'm back to hunched over, but I do have that Alexander moment that is in its own way, kind of a ritual too. It's like, yeah, I'm in this breastfeeding space right now. I was not Mm -hmm. breastfeeding a minute ago. I was like doing whatever on my computer working. Mm-hmm. But here I am with these babies and I'm like making space for my body to do the thing that it needs to do right now for them and also needs to serve me at the same time. And I don't want to get injured from this, like this constant motion that I'm doing several times a day hunched over. So it's cool when it pops into my head. It always makes me kind of happy. Well, that's fun. Speaking of magic. And I think like I explain it kind of like I explained it to somebody I was like, how do I remember this all the time? And I was like, ha ha, you don't. It's like that thing in meditation where they like, it's like your thought wanders away from you. And the actual meditation is taking the thought. It's like, oh, my thought wandered away. And now I, oh, I'll just bring that back to myself. Let me see. Oh, I see that that's wandered away. Yep. Right. Is that moment of coming back? Because you can't be of, zen all the time. No, 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 no. The, and the only thing, the only thing is coming back. And the idea is because if you never come back, like then you wouldn't be in yourself at all right? You would be, you know, out of body or in your to-do list or just kind of like, uh, like you can be hunched up in your body, but you can also be hunched up in your mind. Sure can. And as, as like a parent, it's like, you need having been pregnant with two twins, two twins, <laughs> two babies, two twins. Well, it's not one twins. It's, yeah. two, you know, right. Mm-hmm. My two twins are two twins. I mean, I think it's something that's only plural, like nachos. Like yeah. two is, is redundant, but I don't want to um, meet anyone that ever wants to talk to me about a nacho. Get out of here with a nacho. You're a small woman, two babies, every tiny little bit of space and you're not pregnant anymore. It's sort of, I think you can appreciate like every tiny bit of space that you take for yourself in your mind or in your body. It's like, no, we need every like shred. That's not nothing. And I think sometimes these little moments and things, we can really, oh, but I didn't, you know, do a full weightlifting session or, you know, I didn't meditate for three hours. It's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's like just every little bit is still something. And, you know, applause to you for just, just being. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be alive. 
as a mother of two twins, <laughs> not two sets of twins, two girls. Any, is there anything else you wanted to kind of add that we haven't talked about or that you want to share to anybody else sort of going down this road? Any resources you wanted to shout out? We can also yeah. link those up in the comments if you Let's think of things. see here. I have found some resources on Facebook and Instagram for pumping moms to be really helpful and for nursing moms. There are definitely a couple twin nursing and pumping moms that are on Instagram that like, it's a very specific niche, but if you're, you know, if that's your world, then you kind of need the resources that I have really like followed to help me figure out how to like navigate having enough milk, et cetera, and how to like store it right. And how to be a lactating person for two babies living in the world. So that's been really nice for me. A lot of my stuff is very specific to twins. So I wish I had more suggestions for singleton parents, but I do think that it has been really important for me to find those resources that are twin specific because it is fair, you know, it's rare enough. Like you're not always talking to somebody who has twins or you're not talking to somebody who has twins as often as you're talking to somebody who has one baby. Yeah. Like I have loved, there's like a, a Facebook group in Chicago called Windy CD Twins that you have to like answer questions in order to join, but it's an amazing resource. And there's a Windy City Twins swap page where twin parents in Chicago are like getting rid of their stuff with, you know, like trading items with two of everything, (laughs) two of everything. Um, And that it's like very beautiful that that community exists and I'm sure exists in other cities as well. And also just like feeling like I can reach out to other twin moms who get it and just like complain or ask questions all the time and not feel judged about it. I definitely needed to do that. And I have made a point to have those twin parents in my life that like I put out into the universe I needed and have told a few people like, I'm looking for some like other twin parent resources. Like if you come across anybody, please tell me. And I have, and even if it's in your digital life, it, it, and it is, some of them are like, there's a, there's a twin mom that I text with now that a friend of mine who had a baby around the same time I had the twins connected me with from a mom group she was in. She was like, this woman had twins around the same time as you. Do you like, do you want to talk to her? And I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. I need to talk to her. So it's just such a unique experience. I feel like, like having a baby at all. And then on top of that, like having just had twins during a pandemic. So I encourage people who are in a similar boat to, find their like social media groups that are applicable to them, like in whatever geography they're in. And then also like, I personally would love so much to be a resource for other twin parents, especially people, twin parents that this is their first time being a parent at all. So I don't know the best way to get in touch with me, we can figure it out and put it in the notes, but uh, maybe it's like sending me a message on Instagram, but I, I would love so much to be able to give back in the way that other twin moms have given back to me. That is my story and I'm sticking to it. I love it. Give it back, people. You take it, you give it back. We did Thanks it. for having me. Yes, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Poised Powerful Parenting. I'd love it if you shared this episode with a friend who you think would benefit from it. If you'd like to know more about movement and mindfulness for new and expecting parents, Head over to poisedpowerfulparented.com for support. 
I hope you find the support you need because you are growing and changing too.